bow our heads for a word of prayer and we'll get started with our class. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to study from the book of Revelation today. As we study about the seven heads, I pray that you would give us wisdom to understand what these things mean. So be with us now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I've been looking forward to this class for a while. And the title of our study for today is The Seven Heads, Seven Popes or Seven Kingdoms. That's the title of our study. Now, we got through the first seven verses last week. And how many of you were here last week? So a good number of you. And we did have a much bigger class last week. But um, basically to summarize, chapter 17 begins with one of the angels who participated in pouring out the seven last plagues showing John the judgment of the great whore. And then John is carried off in the spirit into the wilderness and that points us back to the 1260 years. So right after the seven last plagues are poured out, John is perhaps wondering, so why were the seven last plagues poured out on the spiritual power, the so-called religious power, and then he's reminded, hey, this is actually the great whore, and remember the 1260 years when this power persecuted God's people, when the church was in the wilderness, so John was carried in the spirit into the wilderness. Then we see a woman sitting upon a scarlet-colored beast having seven heads and ten horns. We saw that the woman represents the religious aspect of this power, and the beast represents the political aspect of this power. We see that the woman is called Babylon, and she's the mother of harlots. And one thing that I failed to mention last time, you know, you can separate this out into the woman and the beast, where the woman represents the religious aspect of the papacy, and the beast represents the political aspect. Although, it's more accurate to say that the beast represents Babylon in totality. But what's interesting, in verse 6 it says, the woman was drunken with the blood of the saints. So which of the two powers, the religious or the political power, was responsible for the blood of the saints? It was the religious aspect of this power. So the woman who rides the beast and is in control of the beast, is the one who is drunken with the blood of the saints. So here we see papal Rome responsible for the blood of God's people. It's not the political arm, it's the religious arm. And one, one gentleman who was here last week, he's not here today, reminded me of, the, of the, the key point that whenever church and state are combined, persecution follows. So that's sort of a brief summary of what we looked at last week and so the two key subjects that we see are the woman and the beast and in verse 7 which is where we left off last week the angel tells John I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her which hath the seven heads and ten horns so that's where we left off and then in verse 8, we see that the first element of the two, the, the woman and the beast, the first element that is described is the beast. 
So this is what we're going to look at more carefully today, and we'll see how far we go, because Revelation 17, I'm not going to rush through it. It's just, there's too much here, and we're not going to, you know, spend 10 minutes on a very interesting part of the chapter. So we're going to start in verse 8, and we're just going to read this one verse, verse 8. Can I have a volunteer to read Revelation chapter 17, verse 8? Volunteer to read Right down here. Revelation chapter 17, verse 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Okay. Now, the very first thing... Now, we we showed last week who the beast was. Now, if you remember, um, in Bible prophecy, what does a beast represent? It represents a kingdom. And this beast that we're talking about in verse 8, we've already seen it in verse 3. It's a scarlet-colored beast having seven heads and ten horns. Where else have we seen a beast like this in Revelation? Revelation 13. And this is the beast that the dragon gave his power, seat, and authority to. Seven heads, ten horns. Now, there's some interesting parallels between the beast of Revelation 13 and this beast of Revelation 17 that we start to see here in verse 8. Now, we're going to go through this very carefully here. Notice how it starts off. The very first sentence says, The beast that thou sawest was and is not. So, um, and then it says, And shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. So what time elements do we have to describe this beast? We have was is not and shall ascend past present and future so where John is envisioned prophetically now remember he's been carried off in the spirit so he's envisioned he's not in whenever he got the vision for revelation around 90 or 180 somewhere in there he's not literally in that period of time right then he's carried off in the spirit into the wilderness and we saw from Revelation chapter 12 that the wilderness is the 1260 years of persecution where this beast persecuted God's true people now where we are now then is the beast that John saw was so it's in the past now. So he was carried in the spirit into the wilderness. And now by the time we get to verse 8, the beast that he saw was and is not. Now, is there any correlation between this beast that has seven heads and ten horns being in the past and currently not existing in Revelation 13? There, comment back here. Or you speak up. Yeah, I was just talking. Is it Revelation 13, verse 3? 
yeah. when it receives the deadly wound. Is exactly. When it so in Revelation 13, the beast with seven heads and ten horns receives the deadly wound. So do you see that? Revelation 13, the beast with seven heads and ten horns receives the deadly wound. Revelation 17, the beast that thou sawest was and is not. So that's the correlation between Revelation 13 and Revelation 17. Revelation 13, deadly wound. Revelation 17, the beast is in the past. So this tells us that when we start Revelation 17, verse 8, we're getting into this beast that has seven heads and ten horns, and we're seeing the parallel between the deadly wound of Revelation 13 and the end of papal power. Now, here's a key point to take into consideration. What exactly was the deadly wound? What caused the beast that was to no longer be? Now, this beast was a union of church and state. And the woman sat upon the beast. The woman, or the religious power, was in control of the beast. And when the deadly wound happened, at that point, the church no longer had power over the state. And here's another key point. Some people say that the deadly wound was healed in 1929 when Mussolini gave the Vatican back to the papacy. There's only one major problem with that argument. The major problem with that argument is we have not reached a point prophetically where the church has power over the state again. At this point, even though there's been some walls that have been broken down, there's still a barrier of some sort between church and state. And prophetically, the deadly wound is healed when all the world wonders after the beast, and that happens when the Sunday law takes place. So 1929 was not the healing of the deadly wound. Now, why is that important? We'll get to that. But some people who start to do futurism, and they say that the seven heads are seven popes, they start with the first pope in 1929, saying that's when the deadly wound was healed. And so you start there, one, two, three, four, five. And anyway, we'll get to that. So the beast that thou sawest was and is not. So where we are in verse 8 is 1798 and beyond. Now, let's, let's move a little, a little forward here. Now, and it says, And shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Now, this beast, when it receives the deadly wound, goes into a bottomless pit. A bottomless pit is something that you cannot get out of unless you receive help. So if you want to think about this literally, if any one of us fell into a bottomless pit, that would be a death sentence for us because we would not be able to get out 
and so eventually we would die. Um, however, the fact that this beast shall ascend, which is in the future, out of this bottomless pit, gives us the idea that this beast will receive assistance from somewhere to help it come out of this bottomless pit, out of this death experience. And based on what we've studied in Revelation, who gives this first beast of Revelation help to come back from the deadly wound? It's the second beast of Revelation 13, the lamb-like beast that came up out of the earth. So what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to show you that Revelation 17 is not much different than Revelation 13. It's just looking at it from a slightly different angle. But it's not like all of a sudden when we get to Revelation 17, there's this completely new prophetic interpretation of who the beast with seven heads and ten horns is. It's the same beast. We just see a little bit different language. Instead of it being described as receiving the deadly wound, now it's described as it was, is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Revelation 13, it receives the deadly wound, and then the deadly wound is healed. Now, notice the next parallel. It says, they that dwell on the earth shall wonder. Does that sound familiar? Revelation 13, all the world wondered after the beast. So again, you see the connection between Revelation 13 and Revelation 17. Um, and then notice this. So the, they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. So the, the last part of Revelation 17 verse 8 describes the time when all the world wonders after the beast when this beast ascends out of the bottomless pit. And the people who wonder after the beast are those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, yeah, the second beast is a lamb-like beast in Revelation 13. Yeah. Now, in Revelation 13, verse 8, when you look at the similar language, Revelation 13, verse 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So you see the similar language there? So Revelation 17, verse 8, the angel is telling us the mystery of the beast that was, is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. This is the political aspect of Babylon. And this is the beast with seven heads and ten horns. And then the woman, we don't hear about more directly until verse 18. So we're going to march down through here. We see the comparison of the beast that thou sawest was and is not. Deadly wound. Now it's dead. It is not. But it shall ascend. Deadly wound is healed. And all the world wonders after the beast. We see all of those elements from Revelation 13 here in Revelation 17. Now, verses 9 and 10 are 
some very fascinating verses. I'd like a volunteer to read Revelation 17, verses 9 and 10. We have a volunteer right here. Revelation chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Okay. Actually, read verse, um, sorry, read verse 11 as well. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. Okay. Now, just starting off here. If we stick to historicist principles, and if we stick to the same principles that we've used from Revelation chapter 1 through Revelation chapter 16, when we look at verses 9, 10, and 11, we're not going to come up with something wild and crazy. We're going to come up with something that fits Revelation chapter 1 through 16 and the first part of chapter 17 and the book of Daniel. It's going to fit together. It's not all of a sudden going to be something that is found in two verses of Revelation and you can't find it anywhere else in Daniel or Revelation. It's going to fit. And so what I'm going to try to do by the grace of God, because it's not going to be me, but what I'm going to try to do is walk you through the seven, the seven heads, mountains, kings, and the eighth, which is of the seven, and so forth and show you, hopefully, in a very logical way what this means. Now, <laughs> starting in verse 9, the very first sentence says, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. So, what God is telling us at the very beginning of these next few verses is, it takes wisdom to understand what comes next. So, we pray that God gives us wisdom to understand the seven heads that God tells us we need to have wisdom for. And we also remember the Bible verse that prophecy is of no private interpretation. So that's how we start our premise for studying the seven heads. Now, verse 8 is clearly linked to verses 9, 10, and 11. How do I know? Because verse 8 says, The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. This is the same beast earlier in chapter 17, which is the beast with seven heads and ten horns. Now, we're going to talk about the seven heads. And later on in verse 12, we're going to talk about the ten horns. And in verse 11, it talks again about the beast that was and is not. Even he is the eighth and is of the seven. Now, who is the beast with seven heads and ten horns? We've already shown that it's identical to the first beast of Revelation 13 that received the deadly wound. So, if we say that the beast that was and is not even he is the eighth and is of the seven, it, and a beast represents a kingdom, it, that gives us some clues, but I'm not going to jump that far ahead yet. Let's start with the seven heads in verse 9. Here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads 
are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now, we've already established from earlier in the chapter that the woman represents the religious power of the, the woman and the beast. The, the woman is the religious power that drives the political power of the beast. Now, here we see that the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now, here's the first thing that I want to do. If we look just at Daniel and Revelation with respect to prophetic language, we want to look at what a mountain represents in prophecy. Now, we already know that the woman being described here is symbolic language. It's not a literal woman. It's a church power, a religious power. So the seven heads, which are seven mountains, it would stand to reason that the seven heads are symbolic in some respect, and the seven mountains are symbolic in some respect. So in Daniel chapter 2, if you remember, in the vision of the image of, with the head of gold, chest of silver, thigh of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. At the end of time, when we get to the iron and clay, we see in verse 35 that a stone smote the image, became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. So, here you have a mountain fill, filling the earth that replaces this image. And in verse 44, it says, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So notice, God's kingdom breaks in pieces the image, or man's kingdom. And what imagery did God use that described destroying the man's kingdom? It was a stone that became a mountain and filled the whole earth. So what is another way to describe God's kingdom in Daniel chapter 2? A stone or a mountain. So if we use that logic, when we say that the seven heads are seven mountains upon which the woman sitteth, we can then say that the seven mountains are seven kingdoms that provide political power to the religious power of the woman. So the woman sits on a kingdom, seven different mountains, one at a time. Seven heads or seven mountains. And the mountains provide the base or the political foundation to give power to the woman. And then, 
in verse 10, it says, there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, the other is not yet come, and when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Now, this connects with the beast that was, is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. The beast that was, that's in the past, and the five kings are fallen, that also is in the past. And then one is, and one is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Now, here's where I want to tie things together a little bit more carefully. <laughs> when you think about kings, it says there are seven kings. This is where we go back to Daniel to get some help to understand what these kings are. So if you go back to Daniel chapter 7, and I believe it's verse 17, let's have a volunteer read Daniel chapter 7 verse 17. So we're talking about the seven kings in Revelation 17, but Daniel 7 verse 17 gives us a clue. So is there a volunteer to read Daniel chapter 7 verse 17? Right there. Daniel chapter 7 verse 17. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. Okay. So in Daniel chapter 7, we see the four beasts, the lion, the bear, the leopard, the leopard and the dreadful, terrible beast. And they are described as four kings. So, and we know that the lion was Babylon, the bear was Medo-Persia, the leopard was Greece, and the dreadful, terrible beast with the iron teeth was pagan Rome. And then you have the little horn, papal Rome, that comes out of that dreadful beast. Here we see these beasts described as kings. So if we stick with the historicist understanding, when we get to Revelation chapter 17, when you talk about seven kings, what would these seven kings be? They would be seven kingdoms. And five are fallen. That's past language. And when it talks about the beast that was and is not and shall ascend, the, the parallel is the beast was. And that's the deadly wound. Remember how we described that? So the beast was and is not. So it's dead now. That's because it received the deadly wound in 1798. Five kings are fallen and one is. So we are five kingdoms through 1798. And then after 1798, now we have the sixth one. And it's very clear that in verse... Excuse me, let me get back there. In verse 10, that we are in the time of the sixth king when John is being described who these powers are because five are fallen and one is. So in the past are five, which means that one is now, which is the sixth. And one is not yet come, that is the seventh. And then we have the eighth, which is of the seventh. So when we see, and the, so 
concentrate very carefully right now. The beast that was and is not, that's the beast that received the deadly wound in 1798. That's the past. The beast that was, that's in the past, currently is not. Verse 10, five kings are fallen. That's the past. And one is, that currently is. So 1798 is our dividing line between past and present. And that's very crucial to understand, to understand who the seven heads are and who the beast that was, is not, and shall ascend is being described. So past is 1798, before 1798. Present is after 1798. So what you see happen prophetically is things start funneling in to 1798 and beyond that. And remember, that's where we are living right now. So when we have five kings are fallen and one is, let's talk about who these five kings that are fallen just might be. It doesn't take too much to figure this out. Now, one thing I want to point out is the one, what's the one name that has been used other than beast, woman, scarlet beast, so forth, one proper name that has been used so far in Revelation chapter 17. And in fact, as far as I can tell, besides the lamb, this is the only proper name that we have in Revelation chapter 17. What name is that? It's Babylon. So somehow that gives us a clue that Babylon is part of who is being described here, right? And so when we come up to 1798 and we can say, okay, five are fallen, five kings are fallen. And when we go back to Daniel 7, verse 17, and we see that four, the four kings are four beasts that arise out of the earth, and we know who those four beasts are, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Exactly, pagan Rome. When we get to Revelation 17, it's not too difficult then to figure out what five kingdoms would get you to 1798. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, pagan Rome, and papal Rome. And papal Rome is the power that ruled during the wilderness, which we saw about earlier in Revelation 17 during the 1260 years. And that is the power that received the deadly wound in 1798, which caused the fifth of the five kings to fall. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me, 1798 then is the dividing line between the fifth head and the sixth head. Now then you may ask the question, okay, well then who would the sixth head be? Well, again, this isn't too difficult to figure out if you understand Revelation 13. Because in Revelation 13, you have the beast that has seven heads and ten horns, and it receives the deadly wound. And then the second beast arises up out of the earth at about the same time, and eventually causes all the, the earth to wander after the beast. Now here's a, a piece of history trivia that many Seventh-day Adventists are not aware of. <laughs> we know that the United States declared independence in 1776. What many of us perhaps don't know 
is that in 1798, Western Europe recognized the United States as a sovereign nation for the first time. So now the pieces are starting to line up. 1798, the papacy receives the deadly wound, and then the second beast of Revelation 13 is recognized by Western Europe as a sovereign nation. So now the United States, which is the second beast, is the lamb-like beast, beast that comes up out of the earth, has two horns, and it speaks as a dragon eventually. 1798, it's recognized as a sovereign nation by Western Europe, and it now becomes the sixth head. And so, okay, <laughs> 1798, fifth head, papal Rome receives deadly wound. Now it's the beast that was and is not. 1798, lamb-like beast that comes out of the earth is recognized as a sovereign nation by Western Europe. It becomes the sixth head of the seven. That's 1798, and that's the clear dividing line of Bible prophecy. And just so, we, just so we can look at things in perspective, Papal Rome ruled from 538 to 1798. Here we are in 2008, really not that far after 1798 compared to how long Papal Rome ruled, and we're in that sixth head of seven. And when the seventh head comes, he's gonna continue a very short space. Now we're gonna get to that, but we have a comment down here. It might help those who are uh, looking at these things to remember that this date, 1798, in the book of Daniel is the time of the end. Exactly. And just to combine Daniel and Revelation, 1798 is the beginning of the time of the end. That's the time we're living in. And so now we're in the sixth head. So it's interesting, when we read Revelation 17, and we come to verse 10, and it says, five are fallen and one is, that is where we are in Bible prophecy. One is. And the beast that was and is not and shall ascend, we are living in the time that he is not, but he's working on the resurrection right now. And the United States is trying to get him resurrected. And um, if you've been paying attention to um, how the current president and the Christian coalition and other movements in our country have torn down the wall of separation of church and state, we built the John Paul II Cultural Center in Washington, D.C. Um, we've made the comment a few times about how Bush said when he looked into the current Pope's eyes, he saw God. There's a lot of things that are happening that give us the clue that there will be a resurrection. And wow, we didn't, we haven't even finished. We have, we still have five minutes though. So, um, Right, right. so Daniel pointed out that the little horn has the eyes of man, not the eyes of God. So let's see if we can at least finish verse 10 here. So there are seven kings, five are fallen. That takes us to 1798. One is. And based on Bible prophecy, the second beast being the United States, the lamb-like beast, from 1798, that becomes the sixth head of Bible prophecy. And then it says, the other is not yet come, and when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Now, then we get to, so what we see here then is that when the seventh head comes, 
he will continue a short space. Now, we ask the question, okay, who's the seventh kingdom? Is it going to be um, some other country in the world? Is it going to be China or the Soviet Union? Or, and I, you know, there's some fairly biblical Adventists who thought the sixth head was Soviet Union and all sorts of things. I don't know where they got that, but um, anyway, um, not that they're bad people. But how do we know who the seventh head is? We figured out who the sixth head is. I hope that's pretty convincing. Sixth head is the second beast of Revelation 13. Seventh head, who is that? Well, one thing we know is that he continues a short space. And in verse 12, it tells us who the seventh head is. It says, The ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. How long is one hour? It's a short space. So the seventh head is the ten horns who receive power for one hour with the beast. That is a worldwide union of church and state. Who is driving that worldwide union? Verse 11, the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seventh and go, seven and goeth into perdition. So the beast that was and is not, that's the beast that received the deadly wound in 1798. Does that make sense? He's the eighth. What does that mean? It just means that he's the other power besides the ten kings who received power for one hour. But he was of the seven because he was the fifth head. And he's the one that's directing traffic, so to speak, when all the world wonders after the beast when he ascends out of the bottomless pit, he becomes the eighth, which is of the seven. And the seven are the ten kings who receive power for one hour with the beast. And that is the worldwide union of church and state. When the United States, who initially rightly understood the separation of church and state, but when it relinquishes that, and causes, it makes an image to the first beast which had the deadly wound and, and was resurrected. When that happens, the United States loses its role in Bible prophecy as the sixth head because it is no longer serving as the power that rightly divided church and state. And now it brings it together and the rest of the world comes on board, that becomes the seventh head, and now the papacy is back in charge. And when that happens, it's described as a short space or one hour. Now, one hour is not prophetic. We know that there's no prophetic time between 1844 and the second coming. All that's telling us is that we have a short space when the United States, as the second beast of Revelation 13, makes an image to the first beast, and then the seventh head comes onto the scene and, the, and the, the beast that was and is not is resurrected, we are going to have a very short space until Jesus comes. And that's good news. And um, I see a couple of hands. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. And we're going to pick it up next week, <clears throat> basically in um, verse 13. But we'll, we'll review what we've studied today. But... <clears throat> the one thing I want to make very clear is there is no way that the seven heads are seven popes. That flies in the face of the 
principles of biblical interpretation. For one thing, the deadly wound has not yet been healed. 1929 was maybe the beginning of something, but it's not, the, the deadly wound is not healed until the seventh head comes onto the scene. And the seven popes, people say that John Paul II will be resurrected and he'll be the eighth, which is of the seven. That's complete foolishness. And let's stick to the Bible and to the principles of biblical interpretation. The seven heads are seven kingdoms. Fifth is pagan Rome. Sixth is the United States. Seventh is one world government with the eighth being the papacy of the seven driving that. As we close, and like draw your attention to if you understand that, you won't be confused by all sorts of foolishness that it's people very famous teach chapter in these last days. So let's be faithful. Let's